what companies really need to focus on to truly succeed is that you can't just throw something up and hope it resonates with everyone. You need to actually boil it down to the individual attendee and address them specifically. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jeremy Dobrish, and this is The Procast, brought to you by Proscenium Events in New York City. It's a podcast about events, corporate, live events. Now, each month, we take a bite-sized look at how to make these corporate events, conferences, programs, shows even more effective and impactful. Today, we're talking about innovation. I got to tell you, I came away from this conversation more excited than ever to see what live events are going to look like as they start becoming the norm again. So, If you're curious about how to make events more innovative, then stand by for Q1 of the Procast. And Q1, let's go. All right. So I am here with Tim Berghoff, who is the former Senior Director of Event Marketing at Qualcomm. And Tim, I was looking over your bio, and you seem to have done some fascinating things. So I'd love to just start off with, tell us a little bit about, there's some Super Bowls in there and some Olympics in there, and what were those events like, and and how does that translate into the live event world? Yeah, thanks for having me, first of all. I've spent about 25 years in the overall event space, and as you mentioned, I've, I've spent a lot of time doing some global sports marketing ventures. I've been involved with seven different Olympics, two Super Bowls, a World Cup, and, and other numerous sporting events. I actually got my start in the event space at the Atlanta Olympics, joined the real world after that, and thought, wait a second, I think this whole event space is where my true passion lies. And that's what led me to my next event, which was the Super Bowl in San Diego. And then finally landed at Qualcomm. And then I've spent the past 15 years leading the event team at Qualcomm. And your Qualcomm experience is really why we wanted to talk to you today. I mean, if I had to boil this all down to one word, it would be innovation. Qualcomm, obviously, is an incredibly innovative technology company. So I would imagine that on the events team, there's a certain amount of pressure on you to be innovative. So first of all, is that true? And then if it is true, how do you do that? How do you keep being innovative in the live event space year after year after year? Yeah, I I think it definitely is true because events are the the physical representation of the brand. And as a a brand for a high-tech company, you need to be cutting edge. And then everything that the brand does needs to be innovative and cutting edge. So we're a big piece of that. And we're the part that people see, touch, and experience. So there was unspoken pressure to constantly innovate. But I think part of the reason we love events is the creativity and the innovation anyway. So if you aren't driven by innovation in the event space, you're probably not in the right job. So it comes with the territory in a lot of ways. And what we do to bring innovation to our events is two different ways. One is through the actual event design itself. So how you build your event, how you create the event through its physical design, using cutting edge technology, whether it's lighting packages or theatrical elements or other structural elements that are new and different that are cutting edge, they make the event itself innovative and cutting edge. But then another thing that we're able to do by being in the tech space is we bring our products and technologies to the forefront. And so what we want to do is have experiential elements at our whatever event it may be, whether it's a trade show or a conference, where users can touch, see, or look at the new technology and 
the new technology itself is cutting edge, which then helps lead an element to the event itself being innovative. And I think one other thing that we do is you're constantly having to look at how you design your events and continue to reevaluate because technology and what's out there is always changing. So you need to always stay on that on the edge as it changes. And you don't want to be very cookie cutter and you can't just rinse and repeat the same thing over and over. So you're constantly having to change and adapt and look at new ways to do things. And how do you do that for event technology? How do you stay on top of that? Does it come from the Olympics and, and Super Bowls? You see something on the halftime show and say, oh, we should do something like that at our event. Or does it come from a magazine that you read or, or news sites you check out? Yeah, I'd say all of the above. And we work with a lot of partners. So it's this large ecosystem of everyone who is coming together to bring new ideas to the table. And it's, it's a very collaborative effort. And to your point, it's events and technologies all around us. I think being an event professional, we're a bit ruined for actually sitting and watching an event, whether it's the Oscars or whatever it may be, or even just going to a play, because you don't just sit there and enjoy it. You're trying to peek right. behind the stage or see what else is going on. And so that mindset, you're, you're always looking at what's out there. And so whether it's sitting on your couch at home or talking with one of your suppliers on something new they saw that maybe they did for a different partner of theirs that they can then bring to something that you do. It's that entire collective whole of how you're always bringing new ideas to the fold. You're so right. I, before I got into live events, I was a theater person for many years. And my wife hated going to shows with me because I was never watching the play. I was watching the light cue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I remember we sit in the, the Vegas shows are, are the best because of their high value production. I'm always trying to figure out how they do that or what's going on. And if it's, it makes it exciting to, to watch, but it also changes the experience for sure. Absolutely. And I love what you said before, because I was trying to think, you said there's two things. There's the event uh, itself and how we create that. And so I started thinking, okay, what's the second thing? What's the second thing? And really you brought up, it really is the brand and the product, that that is the star of the show. Sometimes we think the presenters are the stars of the show, but really the brand and the product is, that's why we're all here. And so what you can do with that makes a huge difference. So now I'm curious, you, you talked about we are the live extension of the brand. Now, obviously that changed once COVID hit, we became the virtual <laughs> extension of, of brands. So how did you make that pivot. Yeah. And to what we were saying earlier, being innovative was very important to us because as we shifted to virtual, we were still announcing products. We were still getting in front of customers. And so from the very beginning, we knew that we couldn't just do what was out there or we needed to make sure that we were really on the forefront of being creative. And there weren't a lot of solutions when the world went virtual. There was very basic webinar types or live streaming capabilities. But the true virtual space that we're starting to see now after a couple of years didn't really exist back then. And we knew we needed to do something creative, but we didn't have a lot of options at our, our fingertips. And this is where we actually decided to partner with Presidium, which turned out to be one of our best decisions because we were able to create our own unique solution that was innovative. It was cutting edge. We received accolades and tons of compliments from partners and press about being cutting edge and innovative and how we delivered our events, which then reflected on the brand. This is behind the scenes, Bethany, breaking in with a fact check. One of the compliments Qualcomm received from the press came from Forbes, who said, 
The summit itself is being hosted on an innovative virtual platform. I've participated in a host of remote events this year, and Qualcomm has set the bar for engaging, immersive, and innovative meeting experiences. And, and so now I think what's on everybody's mind at this point is, okay, we all went virtual. At some point, we're coming back live, but we all know we're not going back to where we were. We're going somewhere new. So in terms of live events, what do you think that looks like? Is there anything from the virtual events you created that you think are going to carry forward? Yeah, definitely. I think there's quite a few things that will carry forward. I think there's a lot more questions than answers at this point. But I think what we do know is that a basic live stream or throwing a camera in the back of the room and trying to broadcast it out is no longer going to be enough. And I think some of the lessons we learned from the virtual space of audience attention spans being shorter or bite-sized content resonating more or high production quality and truly how valuable that is and how much it actually resonates with the end user. But I think another thing that we never really used to do pre-pandemic that we now need to deal with is the ability to address multiple audiences because now we've realized, hey, you can still address a home audience or a remote audience for people that may not travel anyway, and it helps people expand their reach. And I think with all all the new technologies and all the ways people are thinking about bringing the experience to those audiences, those will be some of the major changes in the live experience. And I think it's a two-way street. I think you'll also have people that are remote that can interact with those live, whether maybe an engineer that's in a remote location, you can now bring them onto the, the show floor, if you will, to then interact with the audience. So it works both ways. And as you said, the big plus is now you can expand your reach into new audiences, different audiences, bigger audiences. But as you also said, you can't just stick a camera in the back of the house and expect that's going to work. And that means the budget's going to go up because you essentially have to do the live event you used to do plus an enhanced virtual event for your new audience. Do you think people are going to get that and, and go there? I hope people get it because my peers and us internally, we were trying to beat that drum with our higher ups for a very long time. We're still trying to say, hey, by the way, everyone talks about hybrid. Everyone talks about this new world of multiple audiences and how we do this. But it's essentially planning two different events and it's a huge cost increase. And I always thought about it as maybe not quite 2x because there might be some economies of scale with them. But then I've heard other studies actually because of the complexities of everything have it over to like a more 2.5x cost to execute in the live and virtual space together and do a true hybrid event. So in the event space, we've always struggled with budgets just to execute on the live front. Now you're telling us we have to execute on the live front and the virtual front. And I think something's going to have to give somewhere at some point, whether it's budget relief or it's a sacrifice of, okay, we need to pick our primary audience because I've talked to some peers who say, you know, maybe we can't address that home audience because we just don't have budget and we're just going to have to focus on who shows in person or vice versa. We're not going to go to the live part. We're just going to do our own virtual piece. So I, I think those are things that companies need to work through. And there's obviously a lot of evaluation with the importance of the different audiences and the, the value they bring to them. But I think a lot of this also brings about a reevaluation of your calendar because we've shown that Things that used to be live maybe don't need to be live now. Like a thought leadership piece where it's mostly speakers or some topics. And then on the converse side, if it's matchmaking or interaction or cocktail receptions, stuff like that, you almost can't do it virtually. I think the original question, people will rethink their event mix and how they actually execute. So it's not always just 
paint everything hybrid and be done with it. So it really is going to mean a whole new reevaluation of how you're communicating to your audiences and what's the right way to do that. What about for companies who feel that innovation equals cost and that they don't want it, they, maybe they do want to be innovative, but they feel that they can't afford to be innovative. What can a company like that do? Yeah, I think there's a, a misconception out there that innovation has to equal expensive. And I, th- I think there's a lot of ways to innovate without breaking the bank. And innovating doesn't necessarily mean using high technology or high cost. Innovating means doing something new and different. So there's lots of ways to do new and different that don't necessarily cost a lot of money. And I think that an example that comes to mind is with social media. There's been numerous companies that have done a new social media campaign that has never been done before, that then goes viral and they're able to get a huge presence from without spending hardly any money at all. And I consider that innovation because they did something new that nobody's done before. So I just think companies like that need to think outside the box and realize it's about doing something new and you don't have to spend a lot of money necessarily. Yeah, that's great advice. One of the things we've done at Proscenium, we've done some work for Harley-Davidson and they are also a very innovative company, always looking to do things that are exciting and cool. And one of our creative directors, Chuck Santoro, did a show for them that was very low tech. It was much more the kind of thing you might see in an off-Broadway theater as opposed to a Broadway theater. It had that kind of look and feel to it. And it was perfect because the back to your point from before, the product that they were launching suited that particular aesthetic perfectly. And so I've always thought it doesn't have to be expensive. It has to be right. But to hear that that's true with innovation as well, I think that's really great advice. Now, what about for companies that aren't known for their innovation the way Qualcomm is? I imagine their event teams don't have quite the same pressure on them to put on an innovative event each year. Do you think it's still important for those companies? Or do you think, look, if you have a formula and it works and you can replicate that year after year, that may be just fine? No, I, I think it's extremely important because even if you think across all industries or companies, there's some level of innovation taking place. But I think the main answer is that there's a sliding scale, right? I, I think it's really hard to come up with a company who doesn't innovate to some extent over time that still is able to remain relevant. So I, then I wonder if you've obviously, over the course of your career, seen a tremendous amount of innovation. And as companies continue to innovate and continue to evolve, Where do you think events are going in the next few years? So I I think what we could do is we could take a lot of these new tools that have been created and we can bring them into the the live space. And so now I think people look at it as a whole different way of interacting and actually communicating with individuals. So now what once thought at a live event as a way you would never talk to somebody that's maybe not there, whether it's through VR or even just a static monitor and headset, we didn't really do that a lot in the past. But now it's almost commonplace where you would almost expect it. But then back to the innovation space, I think you've got a bottled up industry that spent so much of their focus on creating virtual solutions that you're going to see a little bit of a liberation of like a mini gold rush of innovation in the sense that now that we're back to live, I think there's such this pent up energy that it'll create new things that people hadn't thought of before because the way people look at events and creating them and executing them has all changed. Yeah, we had Mark Sharon on the podcast a couple months ago, and he was talking about this sort of great pause that we all got to take. 
and that you never get to do that. And that in that pause, everybody from Taylor Swift to U2 to the Super Bowl to the Grammys to Qualcomm can think about how they want to change and innovate. And that just what you're saying, that once we come back, you're going to see a flurry of this innovation come out. And I love what you're saying about now, it really is about how do you want to communicate with people? You know, I think about when phones became a part of all this and it seemed scary, right? People are going to be in the general session room, but they're going to have their phones. They're going to be looking at their phones. How do we use their phones in order to continue to get our message to them? Now the pandemic is asking a similar question. You can communicate with them in any number of ways. What actually is going to be the most effective for your brand for this event? What a great question to ask. And the answers are going to be really exciting. Yeah. And, and to that point, I think we've known all along, but this really highlighted the fact that one size doesn't fit all. And you don't have to have the same solution for two different people. So something might resonate with you that is totally opposite for me. But now we have ways to address both of ours. And the personalization of events is a, a continued movement that I think is what companies really need to focus on to truly succeed. You can't just throw something up and hope it resonates with everyone. You need to actually boil it down to the individual attendee and address them specifically. And that takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of resources, and it's not an easy thing to do. But the more successful you're able to do that and target each person with what what type of product they might, might want to learn about or what type of communication method is going to work for them will help you with your end goals of how you succeed. And the other thing, what we were talking about before with a lot of this is, I think the great pause that you mentioned with Mark, it's a great way to, to think about it. Almost created a reset and a blank slate so now when you go back to the live event, as they're starting back up again, people aren't in the same rotation of, oh, that event's coming up, I'll do it over again. It's now, like, okay, I've got this event, I haven't done it in a few years. Maybe now's a good time to rethink how I do this. Yeah, yeah. And we are, we are starting to see that. I can vouch for that. That is what people are, you know, they're coming back different mm-hmm. than where they left off, which is really exciting. And I love your word personalization. I think that's a great framework for what we really need to be thinking about going forward. I'm wondering if we could move on to the lightning round. You ready for some three quick questions? Okay, cool. So our first question is, who's your biggest get? So this could be a guest speaker, an entertainer, a subject matter expert, just anyone you would love to see at a live event. If I was able to get this person, we could sell tickets for a high dollar amount and uh, we could partner together at a great event because it would be pretty cool. But my get would be uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. This is behind the scenes, Bethany, breaking in with a fact check. Satoshi Nakamoto is the name used by the presumed person or persons who developed Bitcoin. But to this day, no one knows their true identity. Obviously, him by himself would be an amazing get. But what I was thinking to add a whole nother layer to would be to have him interviewed by Elon Musk, who I think is a fascinating character that would bring a whole new element to kind of how to ask him about that world. And then after a little bit of a fireside chat with the two of them, I'd love to bring in a couple more of the traditional banking sector, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of of Chase. And it's like a a former Federal Reserve chairman, like a Ben Bernanke or someone like that, where they could merge the two worlds of the old school banking with the new digital currency and have a conversation about digital currencies and global finance and and where it, it could all go. You can sign me up for that. I'd be in the front row. That sounds amazing. Love that answer. All right. Second question. What is one thing you wish presenters did more of, or I suppose it could be less of, on stage? 
I, I would love for them to continue to be more concise, which is what we talked about as one of the learnings of the pandemic. I hope they continue that because we've learned that people don't have the attention spans they used to. And I'm, I always, when I'm on site, I always have trouble through the long presentations and, and keeping them shorter makes more sense to me. And I, I would like for them to be less theoretical and more real world examples. And I think another thing we learned from the pandemic is I like for the speakers to be more relatable and interact more with the audience. I feel like there's so much in the old world where they would just stand up and present to you. And I'm wanting to flip that where it's more interaction, whether it's bringing the audience into the the questioning or bringing them through surveys or interactions or questions, however you may want to do it, but bringing the audience more in versus just speaking to them like you're presenting now. I love that. Those are great answers. All right, one more question. So what is something, could be a book, a movie, a song, anything like that that was a big influence on you and your career? Yeah, and I, I don't know how much of this is an influence on my career per se versus an overall mindset, but the, the movie Point Break, when they're at the beach and Brody is, is talking and, and he talks about the, all, the, all the people in their metal coffins going to work. And so that quote always resonated with me of, I don't ever want to just be somebody who sits in my car, goes to a job that I'm not passionate about, I have no interest in, and I just live that life day after day. It's almost like a marching death, but not to be morbid about it. When you hear his passion in the movie talking about how he looks at those people, I've always had that in the back of my mind of, I want to be inspired. I want to be doing something I love. I want to be using creativity because that's what fuels me. And so I've always had that as a inspiration to try to drive career decisions or paths or how I operate. Well, that is so great. Thank you, Tim. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. You've given me a lot to think about and a lot of really uh, exciting ideas for what things are going to look like when we come back. And uh, I'm feeling like I just want to go out and innovate. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And like you said, I'm I'm excited to see what the new world brings and, and how our return to live goes. Well, that was so great getting to talk with Tim about how to bring innovation into corporate live events. For me, there were four top takeaways, and these are the four tops. Number four, innovation doesn't mean spending a lot of money. It means being new and different. Number three, the event is the physical manifestation of the brand, and the brand is the star of the show. Number two, Innovation is event design, and it's also ways to experience your brand and products. And number one, we have to think much more carefully about the right venue for our message now that we can customize and personalize our messaging like never before. But look, I could talk about this stuff all day. And if you want to talk to us about innovation or anything about live events, check out our episode notes for more information, or just go to proscenium.com and drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Because at Proscenium, we help presenters do their best in front of their most important audiences. As we like to say, we help brands perform. And I have a sneaking suspicion we can help your brand perform. If you like the Procast, you can sign up for it at proscenium.com or get it anywhere you get your other podcasts. Now, today's show was hosted by me, Jeremy Dobrish. It was produced by Bethany Potter. Original music by Maestro Mike Mancini and filled with creative geniuslessness by Henry Evans. And hey, you know how at the end of podcasts, they ask you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a good rating? Well, of course, we'd love you to do that so more people hear about the show and so we can hear your thoughts. But look, if you learned a few tips, you want to keep this one just between us, that's cool too. 
So, until next time, stand by to fade the Procast out. And, Procast out, let's go. <laughs>